April means the NFL draft is here. That is not a terribly belated April Fool's joke. What was kind of a terrible joke last week was when I was on vacation and Sam had jumped onto the podcast for the first time in probably two only two weeks and Joe was out here trying to just kick people off the show left and right talking about how Sam you haven't recorded a podcast in forever but what's up guys welcome to the Fireside Bears podcast brought to you by Empire Sports Media make sure you're following us on Twitter YouTube Facebook TikTok and Instagram at Fireside Bears you know us the hosts of the show I'm Usain Kosho you can follow me on Twitter at Usain Kosho you can follow my co-host Joe Herf and Sam Stevenson on Twitter at Joseph Herf and NFL and at Shy Sports Sam. We've got a pretty loaded show for you guys today. Courtney Cronin, the Bears' newest beat writer, is going to be jumping on later. We're going to talk to her about some stuff. We're going to talk about trade targets prior to the NFL draft. Pretty sure Joe's got a point about cornerbacks to target. That's literally what it says on this week's outline because I put this thing together probably two minutes before we were supposed to start recording. We're going to break down some fringe guys that are on the roster bubble, believe it or not, as the Bears get back to Hallis Hall. And then a bit on positional groups too. But gentlemen, how are we doing today? I'm good. Uh, it was pretty funny last week, like hopping back in. And not only hopping back in after like not doing a podcast in a few weeks, but then also having to like kind of run the show that week and like introduce all the points and stuff. And I told Joe, like, don't expect the best out of me because I'm definitely going to be a little bit rusty Um, because I'll tell you something. When you don't record a podcast for a couple weeks, you're a little bit rusty at times. Uh, So that was uh, definitely an interesting task. But uh, if you haven't checked out last week's episode, go check it out. It's good. It's a good one. But this one's going to be even better. Uh, I'm doing good. I'm ready to rock and roll. Uh, Joseph, how are you? Hey, man. Wrestling's kicking my butt. It started up uh, about two weeks ago, and I have to now wrestle with the high schoolers and coach and all that stuff. So Tuesdays are my rough day of running from work straight to wrestling, running straight from wrestling to here, and barely having time to shower and clean up before the podcast. So Tuesdays are tough, but uh, it's nice to kind of you know relax after a long day and talk football that's okay that you don't get to shower. I'm pretty sure all guys go through that phase in life where oh, so just I like, did get to shower. I, oh, I got, you did I got get to shower. To shower. Okay. That's a totally normal time to shower. Mm-hmm. 15 minutes, especially for guys. All right. Anyways, guys, so getting into this whole thing or before I should say we get into all of it, like I said, it's April. So we've got content left and right for you guys on YouTube. We talked about wide receivers We're going to be talking about cornerbacks, so those are some positional previews. I mentioned this on the YouTube channel, but I'm going to mention it on the weekly show too. Go check the YouTube channel out. Go, all right. Make sure you're liked, subscribed, commented to that. We're not going to be previewing all the positions, just because honestly, like the Bears don't have a need at running back or quarterback, so we're not going to bore you with hours and hours and hours talk about Malik Willis and Kenny Pickett. Okay. Shout out to all the people that also had Zach Wilson ranked as QB1B last year. I don't know how you came to such a terrible conclusion because our guy Justin Fields was definitely better. But getting into it, I mean, guys, NFL drafts coming up. You know, let's get right into this thing and talk about this. Any trade targets prior to the NFL draft, Joseph, at all? Um, The first one I really think about, well, first – Devonta Parker was probably a guy that I wanted to keep in mind at first. Obviously, that price tag was a little too rich for me. That I mean, I think that's a good deal for the Patriots. They need to get – I mean, I, I wouldn't say they're like in a win-now mode, but they needed to get a number one for Mac Jones pretty early. They had a bunch of twos and threes, so 
in Devonta Parker, and there was a good trade by them. I think they gave up a little too much, but I mean, heck, they gave up a second for Mohamed Sanu. So this is better than that, I guess. Um, but Brandon Cooks, I mean, that's the name that's being tossed around right now. I'm not a huge fan of it. If somebody else wants to talk about it, they can. But AJ Brown would be awesome. I've, I've heard rumors of him wanting to be traded, probably because Titans can't pay him. They're they're already paying a lot of people, including Derrick Henry and Ryan Tannehill. So if you were to get AJ Brown, lock him down. I don't care if you're paying 20 million a year for him. He is a absolute monster, not only like as a receiver himself, but as an athlete. So to get him on your team and lock him down for the next 10 years for Justin Fields, I'm all for it. You're, you're getting a dude who is a proven receiver, proven asset, and even when he like. He got hurt a little bit last year and got banged up. Anytime he was actually on the field coming back from his injury, he still was an immediate impact, immediate asset, and a very good player. So he has it all together. He's got speed, size, catches everything, always gets open. He's the complete wide receiver that you want as a wide receiver one. I don't think you can guarantee – if you give up two seconds from right now, you could sell me on it. I don't think you can find two seconds that are an automatic immediate impact short-term and long-term than A.J. Brown right now. Possibly, again, you're, you're rolling the dice on these two second-round picks. You're guaranteeing me a star wide receiver in A.J. Brown. So I, w- I would be all in on him. I, I would give up even a first round next year for him. I I love A.J. Brown. I do. But I feel like at this point, I just don't think there's anyone on the radar for the Bears at this point. And I don't think it's because it's not a thing of need. There's plenty of players who are on the trading block that the Bears could trade for and address a positional group, right? I know you mentioned Brandon Cooks, A.J. Brown. Either of those guys come in, they're the best, arguably the best receiver on the team, and immediately fill a need at wide receiver. Um, you know, James Bradbury is a name at secondary, where if the Bears traded for a guy like him, you automatically upgrade the secondary. But I don't think the Bears are in a position to do that right now because I truly do think that this year is to just – we're going to work with what we got. Now, I think when we're talking about training for players like that, teams that are trying to contend, I think, make moves like that. And I don't think the Bears are trying to contend in 2022. I would love to see A.J. Brown in the Navy in, in orange. I think it would be long-term a great move. Um, and you're giving Justin Fields a guy who is a proven wide receiver one in this league. I just don't know how realistic it is in terms of is he legitimately a target for the Bears? I would be ecstatic if he was in a Bears uniform next year. So I, I, I do like that guy. I do like that choice as a trade target a lot. But overall, I just think that right now the Bears are going to just build this thing through the draft this year. I, I think if you want to do a trade target for me, I think it's more draft picks in 2022, which is a lame pick, but realistic. Okay, well, there's something we have to acknowledge here as we talk about any trade targets before the NFL draft is that – it is an incredibly risky proposition, and Joe kind of alluded to this, but I'm going to expand on it more. Like The most valuable asset the Bears have had since Ryan Poles got hired has been the second-round draft picks. So when you look at that, you have to realize that you know, the Bears aren't going to trade. You could argue there's more valuable assets like a Darnell Mooney or Justin Fields, but the Bears aren't going to trade any of those guys away. Ultimately, what it comes down to more than anything is that you want the Bears to make a move, but you want it to be a low-risk, high-reward type thing. Now, I love Brandon Cooks. I think that when Brandon Cooks had 
stable quarterback play. I don't think anyone can disagree that he was one of the better wide receivers in the NFL, but ultimately he's getting older. The concussions are certainly a factor that nobody talks about with him because it's like he got concussed in New Orleans, got concussed in New England with that Super Bowl, kind of was in and out of the Rams lineup, and here he is in Houston. But Brandon Cooks I would only want on the Bears if the Texans were willing to take on that entire salary and then go ahead and just give an opportunity to the Bears for possibly sending over a conditional draft pick. Like That's the only reason I would want a guy like Brandon Cooks. Now you look at James Bradbury, he's another interesting case study too, but he's got a large salary. And again, if it's one thing Ryan Poles has showed us this offseason, it's that he's not going to take on bad salaries via trade. I know he hasn't acquired any players via trade. He's only shipped out. But again, he just does not come off as the type of GM who's going to go ahead and you know, take on a major salary for a player that is getting older. So the Bears are really slim pickings. I know there's been some rumors about DK Metcalf possibly being traded, and he hasn't been linked to the Bears, by the way, but DK's kind of come out and just gone ahead and debunked those rumors. But the report that came out, I think it was Monday night from NFL Network, DK kind of went ahead and debunked it, but I also think that these things kind of come out and then players come out and they're just like, yeah, whatever. And then you never really know what's going to happen. But I also think that looking at the way the two major wide receiver trades have gone this offseason, as well as some recent trades we've seen over the years, the Bears don't have the capital to be big players for a splash move. There's not going to be a true wide receiver one like an Adams or a Hill that's going to be here. But if a team's willing to lower its asking price, you know what? Ryan Poles would be really foolish to not go ahead and explore it. Yes, yeah, Sam, I actually was going to touch on your point with the fact that we probably won't make a trade. Like Again, I, I don't think we're actually going to be doing any sort of trading for players. I think, AJ, again, you and I both said it. Love A.J. Brown. I think he's a great long-term option. You said, as you said, D.K. Metcalf, another great long-term option that would be here forever and is an elite asset. Will it happen? Probably not. The only trades, like you said, Sam, are probably going to be just Ryan Poles trading back and getting more picks. Uh, this would just be an ideal scenario in which we get a wide receiver one long-term. Again, I, I think Poles wants to build this team right. He wants to build the draft. He wants to get some cornerstones that fit his system, fit his MO, and fit Iberfus' MO as well. And in doing so, he's going to acquire – he's going to keep these valuable picks. He's not going to be giving them away for players – He's going to, if anything, try and get more picks and get more players that fit what he's trying to build here. And nothing against Ryan Pace, but get what Ryan Pace built and put that out of here as fast as he can. Outside of a few assets, obviously, like Darnell Mooney, David Montgomery, and Justin Fields. So, like you guys both said, I, I don't think it's going to happen. I think it's outside their own possibility unless the asking price somehow drastically goes down and they get a trade similar to what the Browns got for Amari Cooper, which no way that can happen again. I don't know why they would do that or what the Titans got for Robert Woods. I don't see that happening either, but again, you never know. It's the NFL. Anything can happen. Yeah. Let me just, I want to add a couple of quick things before I, I give my closing thought here on this. Um, number one, I don't want to like take the air out of your sales here when it comes to like your trade targets, because I do agree with you. If we're talking a bears team that maybe has their fourth round pick. Maybe they have a little bit more money to work with. Maybe they don't have as many free agents. I, I'm all in. 
hundred percent. And and if somehow the Bears found a way to make it happen, I'm not going to complain about it. I mean, I talked about it last week. I wanted Devontae Parker. I'm sad to see him in a Patriots uniform. I wanted him as a Bear. I, I truly thought he would have been a nice short term fit at a receiver spot for the Bears. Didn't happen. I, you know, I I don't want to be hypocritical and be like, well, we shouldn't trade for anyone. When last week I'm literally saying trade for Devontae Parker. So I don't want to take that away from you there because if 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 the trade value went down for AJ Brown hypothetically, if we're if we're using him as the example here, I would love for the Bears to explore that option. I mean, they explored a trade for Robert Woods. They didn't make the move. Ultimately, the Titans got him for a six round pick, but the Bears were interested. That shows me that at least. Uh, Ryan Poles is doing his homework. He's doing his research. He's saying, okay, let's test the market a little bit. Let's see kind of what teams are asking for. I like that. And I think that's totally fine. And by no means do I think the Bears like absolutely shouldn't make any trades. It just doesn't seem like this is the year to do that. Um, Ultimately, I think, again, the biggest question I have is the Bears identity this year. Do they think they can win some games with a second-year quarterback and questions all over the place in terms of roster, coaching staff? I mean, I'm excited to see what Luke Getzky can do, but there's no guarantees offense works right away. There's going to be some growing pains. There's no guarantee that Matt Eberflus is going to be coach of the year because, well, Hans he's probably not. He's going to make mistakes early on as a new head coach, right? Ryan Poles is a GM. He might make some mistakes in the draft. He might have made some mistakes in free agency already, like – there's going to be a lot of growing pains this year. So ultimately, when we talk about the Bears potentially targeting players for trades and acquiring players, or whatever the case may be, my ultimate question is, okay, is this a short-term move like we're trying to make this year successful? Or are we looking long-term with this piece? And ultimately, I circle back to, to A.J. Brown again because – hypothetically, the Bears get a guy like him. That's a long-term move, in my opinion. How much that's going to cost, though, and are the Bears willing to pay that price? Those are the questions I bring up when we're talking about trade targets. Because I think, again, I think you bring up a good point. As fun as and potential Brandon Cooks might bring, it seems just like a one-year rental, and it doesn't seem like a move that the Bears should be making. Whereas if you're a team that's about to contend or thinks they can contend, you should absolutely be calling Houston saying, hey, what do you want for Brandon Cooks? Because Brandon Cooks could be that one-year rental on your offense to help boost your offense. So that's kind of what I mean when I'm talking about the Bears probably aren't going to make any trades. But if they could make a move for a long-term piece, I'm all in on that, 100%. All right, well, let me go ahead and ask you guys this, right? How much pressure is on Ryan Poles here, knowing that those two second-round picks are basically going to be picks he needs to go ahead and hit on? Because the Bears have missed out on some free agents this offseason. Like, this is something I asked Courtney Cronin, too. And we'll get to our interview in a couple minutes here. But I asked Courtney, I'm like, look, they missed out on DJ Chark as well as Juju Smith-Schuster. Those were two really reasonable price deals. You look at some of the stuff that's being said in the national media, and the consensus just seems to be the Bears can't leave round two without having a wide receiver and another impact player. And I think both of those guys are going to have to be day one starters. Yeah, I think it's extremely important. You need to hit on these. And <clears throat> excuse me, but you're you're drafting guys that are going to have to likely start right away. And it's kind of similar to what the Chiefs saw when they basically had to draft an interior lineman last year. And they ended up getting two and finding two starters. But they had an opening either guard or center. 
And it was kind of smart because they didn't really tip their hand what they're going after, but they ended up getting Creed Humphrey on a steal. And he became an immediate starter, an immediate impact player for them. And then they also got Trey Smith later on as well, who also became a starter. But regardless, you need to find those guys that can instantly step in those holes and can be a starter and be an upgrade over someone who's on the market now. Because these guys, guys on the market now, you're not going to find a 22-year-old guy who's going to be your long-term option at a position. So you, the fact that he needs to hit these not only for the long-term, but also for the short-term is extremely important, not only for the team, but for Justin Fields' development too. You're not, you don't want to get a possible you know left tackle who needs development. Like, yes, you want your left tackle to develop, but you need somebody who can step in right away and protect Fields, or else he's going to be getting murdered again. I mean, if you think about it, if you roll into next year with a left tackle who needs some work and – a, a center who was, again, I think he's good, but he was a backup for the Packers. A whole right guard for now that could either be filled by a veteran or another rookie. And essentially another rookie at right tackle and Tevin Jenkins. You're you're not doing the due diligence. They need to find absolute hits that will immediately be solid players that have the experience to do that and can also develop long-term to being great options. To kind of add on to that, I think the importance of you know guys who can play right away – the emphasis, emphasis in my mind, is offense. I'm of the opinion that you can find players who can play on defense right away later on in the draft. The Bears can find a starting corner potentially in the fourth round or the fifth round. They can find you know starting players like in the linebacker room or, or at safety. Getting a surefire player at wide receiver, offensive line, that has to happen early on in this draft, and they need to capitalize on that and be successful. There's been a lot of names, uh, both receiver and offensive line, that have been mocked to the Bears and and projected to go to the Bears and stuff. Whoever those one or two guys are, they need to be able to play right away on offense because if you want your offense to succeed long-term, you need to start building those building blocks. I hate saying building twice, but you get my point, early and often. And, and I think this is a year that Ryan Poles is going to do that. I mean – He's hit on a lot of really good players back when he was in Kansas City, like guys like Creed Humphrey, but he's also missed on guys. And my concern is if the Bears are hoping they're going to get their wide receiver one or just a productive wide receiver and a starting offensive lineman, or, or maybe they're going to draft a corner, whatever may, case may be, and those guys can't play right away, well, now you're looking at 2023 with some of the same questions that we're asking ourselves right now. And that's why sometimes it, I kind of wonder, maybe Ryan Poles needs to be a little bit more aggressive in free agency just because ultimately you just need guys who can play this year. Even if they're not the long-term quote-unquote option, you still got to field a 53-man roster at some point, and the Bears aren't there yet. So there's so much unknowns with the NFL draft. You're, you're shooting in the dark a lot of times. So obviously the Bears could hit on two absolute studs. They can hit on absolute duds as well. So it's definitely one of those things where it's like, let's see what happens. But at the same time, I hope that there's at least a little bit of a contingency plan on Ryan Poles and the front office's part. Look, I said this is that because, again, if – look, the way I'm going to say this is this, to be as nice as possible, is that just because – Ryan Pace traded up and traded away draft capital. Guess what? Doesn't mean Ryan Paul should not do so. It's like our guy Raul Bennington said on the show a couple weeks ago. You build a team through the NFL draft 
free agency, as well as trades. And ultimately, right now, guess what? Ryan Poles is kind of sat on his hands a bit too much, and it's hurt the Bears. Now, I'm not saying that you need to go out and throw all this big money at all these players, but I would feel a hell of a lot better about some of the pieces of this roster had Poles actually gone ahead and basically opted to you know, be a bit more aggressive during like the end of the second wave, start of the third, fourth wave in free agency, and just go ahead and sign these guys. And I think that that just brings us to our next topic right here, which is just the fact that any cornerbacks that the Bears should go ahead and target via free agency. Joe, I'm going to go to you on this one. Yeah, I mean, I've th- I can't think of how many times I've talked about like the cornerback free agent market, but there are countless guys right now that the Bears can still go after. That could be like a, a one-year stopgap option. And, and we've seen a lot of people get signed already. I know J.C. Jackson got a really big contract. Um, Traverius War got a pretty solid contract, too. A few other guys, Dante Jackson, Darius Williams, um, Razul Douglas returned uh, to the Packers. But outside of those guys, I mean, you still have guys like that can be your stopgap. The, the obvious answer I won't talk about a lot, but Xavier Rhodes, I mean – it's it's like a, I wouldn't say a match made in heaven, but he played for Eberflus. He took a big step after kind of falling off in Eberflus' scheme and kind of came back to not an all pro type player, but a very high level player. Um, a guy I'd really like to see them go after. Um, for starters, I, I won't again don't want to dive too much into it, but I'd be fine with them taking a look at Kyle Fuller. He's kind of weakness as he gets beat gets beat deep too much. Cover two, it's gonna be harder for him to do that. But um, outside of that, a nice name that I like to see Steven Nelson. I mean, he's not old. He was a free agent last year. And he got that one-year deal, I believe, with the Eagles, I want to say, after he got cut by the Steelers. And he was fine. I, I feel like for some reason, any corner who goes to the Eagles is automatically not good, and I don't know why. I feel like that happens every time. Like, corner signs like a big deal, a good deal with the, the Eagles. They just fall off. So I'd like to see him in a cover, too. A little bit of help there. It, it's not as dependent on the corners. It's more dependent on the safeties behind him. And... See him paired to Jalen Johnson. Again, he's the number two corner. He's used to be the number two corner when he was in Pittsburgh, playing next to Joe Hayden. I think it'd be a fine pairing. I think it'd be a fine stopgap two-year corner that you can have possibly Thomas Graham sit under for a little bit, maybe get some playing time and split with him with, like kind of how Artie Birds and him split at the end of the season last year. But obviously, Steven Nelson is a bit of an upgrade. Or even draft a corner to develop under him too. Again, this is assuming that we don't draft a corner to start, like in the second or the third round. But that is just, I feel like, a very solid option you can get still in free agency, and that's just one of the like five to six options still available right now. I just think ultimately, if you're looking at the tape of the Bears secondary last year, you're looking at guys like Kendall Vildor and um, Artie Burns, there's plenty of room for improvement there alongside Jalen Johnson. Um, Xavier Rhodes is a name that has been brought up pretty much by almost everyone in the Bears community, I feel like, and definitely think is a plausible option has a connection with Matt Eberflus. I, I'm just kind of looking at spot tracked right now, just seeing like who's available. I'm going to be completely honest. If I had to guess some of the teams that these guys played for last year, I don't think I could. Um, but ultimately I'm of the opinion that like the secondary is one of those positions. The bears don't need to necessarily draft super early. I definitely want them to draft a corner this year, a young guy. I think you should always try to bring in someone to help him with the secondary. But I think you can find guys who can play right away in like the third, fourth, fifth rounds. 
I don't think you need to use a second round pick in a corner this year, but you need to bring in a veteran presence and you need to bring in somebody who, if you want to go with a guy on the younger side, I don't think he's the best corner in the league. I don't think he's amazing. I don't even think he was one of his best corners on this team, but if you want to poach from a team from where we took one of their coaches, uh, go get Kevin King from the Packers. I think he could be a decent option. I'm not saying he's amazing, but he's better than Kendall Vildor. And, and I don't want to keep dragging his name in the mud a little bit, but like the Bears secondary outside of Jalen Johnson was not great last year. And at some point we can't rely on Thomas Graham Jr. to kind of hypothetically take this huge step forward in 2022. Believe me, loved what I saw out of him last year in the limited time he played. Would love to see him take a step next year, but that can't be the plan. There needs to be a guy there who's played a little bit longer in this league, who has that experience. Maybe a guy who's played for multiple teams. I wouldn't mind bringing in a guy who's got some experience. And this is a position why I don't mind if the guy's a little bit on the older side. I know Ryan Poles has been signing young, productive players, and I love that trend. But I don't mind bringing in a guy who's a little bit older, like Rhodes, for example. So I like this topic a little bit because I think ultimately there's so many guys available, and guys are going to become available as we get closer to the draft and after the draft. I mean – Good talent's going to become available because ultimately teams got to get under the cap space at some point. They got to be able to get enough money to be able to pay all their rookies and pay all those undrafted free agents. So I think the Bears can be a little bit patient here, but the cornerback market is fine. There are good, solid options available in the cornerback market right now. You know who's a guy that's played under Matt Eberflus has also been in the league since 2014, has also played for multiple teams. That's not other than TJ Carey. I understand he's whatever, 31, 32 years old, but just spending two years, 2020 and then 2021 under Matt Eberflus, I think really bodes well for Carey, who's going to be much cheaper than a lot of people expected. Now, I understand that he did have some injuries last week season kind of placed on injured reserve came back but then again tj carey just gives this secondary a veteran voice that the entire defense needs quite frankly to get its feet underneath itself so carey's one of those names that i would definitely say don't go ahead and go after Xavier Rhodes because so I think Xavier Rhodes is in the twilight years of his career. But I think that TJ Carey can be just solid enough in order to give the Bears a stopgap option. When we look at what the team currently has on the roster in terms of cornerback, I think one of the big issues with Kendall Vilser last year, guys, was that he was being asked to play outside when in reality, let's be honest, he is more of a guy that's just a true slot cornerback. Now, hopefully Eberflus is able to get something out of Kendall Vildor. Otherwise, he's going to be sent packing. But ultimately, you know what? TJ Carey is a name that I would certainly go ahead and love to see the Bears draft because they need another veteran presence in this defensive back room. You look at the entire secondary, it just has not been good enough. Joining us now on the Fireside Bears podcast is one of the newest members of the Bears beat, Courtney Cronin. She works for ESPN. She's a Glenview, Illinois native. So I can't say welcome to Chicago, but welcome back to the Windy City. We're excited you're here, and thanks for being on the show. 
Yeah, thanks for having me. I'm looking forward to it. All right. So before we get into it, guys, make sure you're following Courtney on Twitter. You can follow her at Courtney R. Cronin. So I think we have to dive right into it because your perspective on the Bears is about as unique as it gets. You were in Minnesota last year. You were the one who broke the story about the Vikings hoping to draft Justin Fields. But I guess what was the general impression throughout Minnesota of Justin Fields in a year where he experienced so many ups and downs? Yeah, I think the two times that the Vikings played the Bears, and obviously that week set, week 18 game, you know, is kind of moot because he wasn't playing. Um, you know, in that first meeting, but even before then, was just how how tough he was and how tough of a season that was for him in battling injuries because he got hit so often, right? Like that's, you know, the thing that I think Vikings, you know, people in the building and, and Vikings fans are trying to realize, okay, what is Justin Fields' potential? Because you just didn't get to see the whole thing come to fruition last year. And I don't think people anticipated him starting as early as he did this, you know, pseudo competition they had at quarterback between Andy Dalton and Nick Foles. I think most people probably thought that was going to go on longer and that if the bears could be sustainable, a sustained winning team with Andy Dalton, that maybe we wouldn't see Justin Fields until late in the year. And obviously that didn't happen, but, um, you know, one thing I gleaned from that Monday night game where he was playing against the Vikings in Chicago was that how much of that can you put on his offensive line as far as how many times he was hit versus how much is that on Justin Fields in in you know holding on to the ball too long. And I think defenses realized that, you know, there was especially Minnesota's defense and how many times they were able to sack him like in other games that he couldn't handle the pressure in a lot of different ways and that that's what you expect oftentimes from a rookie quarterback. So that was kind of the impression. I think it would, they gave, you know, if you would ask a Vikings fan is Justin Fields, you know, where do you rank him among quarterbacks? He probably has an incomplete grade just because we didn't see him all that much in, you know, you know, in the grand scheme of things to be able to like put a complete grade on him. Whereas, you know, others from that draft class, maybe a Mac Jones, for example, you could probably see a little bit more of like, okay, where's the ceiling for this player? What did we actually see? It felt like the ups and downs and this, and, you know, kind of the issues with the offense last year really didn't allow us to see how good Justin Fields can actually be. All right. So, Let's talk patience here for a second because it's one of the big themes for the Bears this offseason. I believe you just wrote an article on this, but do you think Ryan Pohl's patient approach has hurt the Bears at times this season? Because there's players like a DJ Chark or a Juju Smith-Schuster that went for much cheaper than a lot of people were expecting to. Yeah, I think that... You know, he's very adamant about doing things his way. I just wonder, um, given, you know, like I didn't cover the team when, you know, Ryan Pace was hired or when Matt Nagy was hired, but that theme of patience was apparently preached before. So this is not something that's like entirely new. And you got to wonder, okay, if you're going to do this thing right, you have to give people time. And, and by time, you have to allow them to execute a full-on rebuild, which is ripping this thing down to the studs and starting over. And that's really tough, I think, for a lot of people who believe in the, um, you know, retool and over-rebuilding philosophy. And there have been a lot, of, um, a lot of players that I think the Bears could have been after considering the salary cap space that they have and, you know, the, the amount of players they have to fill out a roster. 
where it feels like this team is kind of taking on the 2021 Texans approach of, you know, maximizing the one year mid tier deals with players that they're picking up right now in this third wave of free agency. And I think it's going to continue that way probably until like the start of training camp, to be quite honest with you. I mean, could there be another splash signing? Sure. There's some other names that are out there. I mean, certainly at the cornerback position, I think that if they want to go get a veteran to help that group, they can Um, offensive line too. I mean, there's not that many like big names left because the ones that they were at least like in on apparently, you know, with the Larry Ogunjobi deal, like there were some bigger name free agents that the bears were looking at, but because of that process and the way that it played out with the failed physical weren't able to get. So I can understand the lack of patience from the fan base and looking at this new GM saying, okay, is this going to be a repeat of the previous regime? But then again, like Ryan Poles is somebody who has said a lot of different times that he wants to build through the draft. And it's, you know, his process now of, you know, being able to rake in all of these compensatory picks next year to truly give himself this year to evaluate, to just try to get this thing off the ground a little bit and, you know, really go in next year to try to like start getting back towards being competitive. Cause I honestly think the day that they traded Khalil Mack, that was a message that they sent that they are a long ways away from being competitive and don't expect this thing to be a quick fix. And I think that they're okay, at least for now, sticking to that plan. Yeah, it's it's unprecedented territory for a lot of fans out there, but I also think it's unprecedented territory for this team because for Bears fans under Ryan Pace, and I think it was the same when Jay Cutler was here too, it was just always, hey, whatever we have on the roster, let's go ahead and let's make it work and just hope that the dominoes are going to fall the Bears' way. And now Ryan Poles comes in and he's like, all right, I'm going to do this a completely different way. Something this franchise isn't accustomed to, so outside the box thinking. But let's focus on the head coach here because Matt Eberflus, I mean, one is one of ten head coaches hired this offseason, but and it's still early. But what do you think sticks out about Matt just based off the way that he's spoken to the media compared to yeah. the other nine head coaches around the league? Yeah, I think you know it's it's tough to gauge right now because it is still so early uh, in this process and. You know, frankly, the team has not done all that much that you can really be able to like give their grade, give the roster a complete grade right now. I'm really curious to see how Poles and Eberflus and, and their philosophies and what they think needs to be fixed, like the hierarchy of that, like how that affects the draft. And I think we'll be able to tell a little bit more about what the roster looks like. But as far as Matt Eberflus, you know, for someone who's 51 years old, who has been coaching for 30 years, you know, did it in the college ranks, did it for a long time um, in, in the NFL ranks and being on the defensive side of the ball. For me, the thing that stood out the most from owners meetings and even before that at the combine when we talked to him is just how important the quarterback position is for his career longevity. And by his, I mean the head coaches. Like, you know, I came from a place where, um, you know, there was Mike Zimmer was a defensive head coach. And the relationship with him and his quarterback, you know, for a long time, which was Kirk Cousins, you know, that was such an important part that I think was a miss in Minnesota. And I think that someone like Matt Eberflus, who has a second-year quarterback who he says he wants to see a big jump from, knowing how important that establishing that relationship, like even though you're not the one calling offensive plays for this player, this one player can make or break an entire franchise. So I think that him acknowledging that and also acknowledging 
you know, the one thing I asked Matt Eberflus about it at owners meetings that I know a lot of people think is a pretty benign answer, but it stood out to me because I've covered defensive coaches before who want their guys. They want their three technique. They want their corner. They want their middle linebacker. And they're going to prioritize doing those things over because they want to win games on defense. Matt Eberflus's answer is, well, I'm the head coach. Like, and I'm paraphrasing here, but it's like, you know, whether it's a guard, a slot receiver, uh, a U tight end, a cornerback, like whatever it is, you have to make the best call that's going to help your football team. And that's refreshing for me, seeing as it comes from like a defensive head coach who realizes the key to, to the kingdom here, go through Justin Fields. And if it's not Justin Fields, it's going to be somebody else. And setting him up for success is the best thing that you can do this season and next season and, you know, the, the following off seasons, as long as the staff is around. And I think he realizes that. So that to me, um, you know, for, for a hire that I'm sure there were a lot of Bears fans who looked at this and said, well, how come they didn't hire an offensive person, you know, um, like a Matt Nagy or at least somebody who had like came from that same sort of school of thought to help your quarterback make the jump in year two. I think it can still work when you have a defensive coach who has that much, who says he has that much interest in helping the growth overall of the quarterback. So let's talk about the defense even more here because you mentioned the Khalil Mack trade that kind of set off a signal that it's the end of an era for a defense, but there's certain pieces like a Roquan Smith, a Jalen Johnson. Looking at Matt Eberfuss's track record, when he was in Indianapolis over that four-year period, they drafted 19 players on defense. Only one of them was a first-round pick in Quiddy Pay. Here in Chicago, there's bright pieces that I just mentioned a moment ago, but most of Eberflus's defense was all guys like Darius Leonard, Julian Blackman that were drafted on day two and three. So are the bears relying on his instincts to coach, to be able to ensure the defense plays at a high level for years to come? Uh, yeah, certainly. And they're going to have to retool certain parts of the defensive side of the ball. I mean, like you said, when they traded Khalil Mack, that signified the rebuild in itself, like Ryan Poles and Matt Eberflus and, and George McCaskey, like everyone who signed off on that realized that that's a move you make if you if you know the direction this team is going. And I think when Matt Eberflus was talking, he was asked about, OK, Ryan Poles said this was a win win situation. What does that mean? Because you've got to think a head coach with a defensive background is coming in, licking his chops, saying, man, I can't wait to coach Khalil Mack. And then realizing that one of the first things you have to do is probably one of the hardest things you have to do in trading him away. So I um, I think the smart thing right now is that they've had plan B's and plan C's for different parts of the roster. And when Larry Ogunjobi failed his physical, it was Justin Jones who was the re replacement for him um, at that three technique spot. Are they done? Who knows? But, you know, he knows that that's an important part. If you're switching from a three, four to a 43, you have to be able to have that interior pass pass rusher who can push the pocket and, and you know, get upfield towards the quarterback. And you might not have like top, top end talent and these big name free agents to do it. But Al-Kadeen Muhammad was a rotational player at, f at first for Indianapolis. And now like that was a big loss for them, in my opinion. And I think we all kind of like put a star next to his name when Matt Eberflus got this job, just knowing, OK, this is what development looked like in Matt Eberflus's defense, because he was a player that came in around the same time that Iberflus, you know, got the DC job in Indy. So you can see kind of where he's going with that, if that makes sense. But, you know, 
this well, anytime a defense changes fronts, I mean, I was covering this in Minnesota up until the time I left to come to Chicago. Like they're going for they're going from a 43 to a 34, and then the Bears are on the other side of that. So you have to find like sometimes you realize that the players that are currently on your roster don't fit that scheme. So like when it came to a three technique. You look at um, the other defensive tackles that you have, and I don't know if a Mario Edwards Jr. fits that sort of role. Like, and I think that that's kind of why they had to prioritize doing what they did. Like, you know, and, and I don't think that you can fault them for doing that, but the building blocks of this defense are different than they were before. Like, it's a Roquan Smith and a Jalen Johnson um, group, and that's like what they're going to build around instead of you know, what it was before when it was like Khalil Mack and, you know, Robert Quinn and, and Quinn obviously still a big part of this defense, but um, it's different now. It's a different era. And and I think that Eberflus knows that and, and how he's going to have to approach installing his defense here. Right. And the bears have been here before going from a four, three to a three, four, when Ryan Pace took over and Vic Fangio and John Fox arrived, it took two to three seasons for that 2018 defense that everybody saw and kind of led the league in every single category statistically fully come to fruition. But Getting back to the quarterback position, there's, I think, a really interesting dynamic that exists because Ryan Poles is coming from an organization where Alex Smith was there, but then they drafted Patrick Mahomes and they figured out the quarterback position. And Matt Eberflus is coming from an organization where outside of Andrew Luck, who was there for one season with Eberflus, I mean, the Colts have had a revolving door at QB. But where do you think both of these guys kind of find a middle ground to help Justin succeed? It's a great question because that's something Ryan Poles talked to us about at owners meetings that, you know, you can't go all in one area to try to help the quarterback and then you'd like deplete another area of the roster. Now, of course, there has to be a happy medium. Justin Fields is the priority here. The day they traded Khalil Mack shifted all of these priorities from a team that was built around a defensive identity into, hey, we can free up financial resources to actually like go build offensively and be like the rest of the league. Like I asked Ryan Poles this in Palm beach last week and he said, and he's joking about it a little bit. He's like, yeah, like I'm an offensive guy. Of course I'm going to lean towards the off, like, you know, doing things on the offensive side of the ball, but finding that balance um, is critical for this team. But I think that you have to follow the trends in the league that you have to score a lot of points to win games. Like, Go look at the bad teams in the NFL. If you are not scoring, and I think Bears fans will probably say at times, they fell into that category a lot like the last few years. I don't want to speak for anybody, but if you struggle to score 10 to like 15 points a game, you need to fix that. And I think that they both realize that more than anything, like you need to be able to get after the passer on the defensive side of the ball, however you have to do it. But you also have to be, you know, on the flip side of that, be able to put up points. And so... You know, I know that Bears fans seem a little upset right now that like not much has been done on the offensive line and that like the big news of late has been that a backup guard who played less than like 300 snaps last year ended up staying in Buffalo and signing their offer sheet like the one that they matched in the Bears like the Ryan Bates thing should not be as big of a deal as it is but I get it because like what else are you as a Bears fan like what else would you be talking about right now because the the moves have not been like outside of Lucas Patrick coming here, uh, you know, as, as the marquee free agent signing on the offensive line, they haven't had a lot of those. And when you talk about trying to get a big jump out of the quarterback, you need to protect him and you need to ha- like give him weapons to throw to. So there hasn't been a whole lot of that yet. 
I think we can look to the draft, but like, again, like I'm somebody, when I look at the NFL draft, like realizing drafting for needs important. Like I think a lot of teams do that. They end up like falling way too much on one side of the spectrum and doing so like to expect that many players to come in and have an immediate impact. You have to taper expectations with that, but you also know that will probably drive a lot of what they want to do in the draft, knowing how many needs they still have to fill on offense. So you kind of led into my next question and full disclosure, by the way, when the bears suck and their offensive output is that of like the Jags and the Vikings during the season, trust me, you will see it so much on social media because a lot of other people that cover different teams, the one thing they always say about bears fans is, yeah, this is one of the most realistic fan bases in sports, but you know, what do you think should excite fans about the 2022 NFL draft later this month? I think how deep the receiver class is, and that means you don't have to necessarily stay where you are in round two. I mean, they've got pick 39 and they've got pick 48. I think it all comes up offense for Chicago in the second round because there's no real consensus as of right now who that fourth cornerback is, even though they do need one. That's probably, it's still a day two pick, but that's probably a round three pick. Um, I think that with one of those second round picks, they can trade back to garner more draft capital, which is what Ryan Poles wants. You know, six picks is not a lot. Like I come from a place of covering a team that if it's not double digit draft figures, then like, what are they doing? I mean, that's just kind of the mentality. And, you know, for a team that wants to build through the draft, six picks, probably not going to get it done this year. So I would anticipate them being pretty aggressive um, and also being able to address the need at wide receiver, not once, but maybe like twice on day two. I think that they certainly will have the ability to do that because the class is so deep this year. Right. And all those Rick Spielman drafts had like 12, 13, 14 picks sometimes. Mm-hmm. But why do you think 2022 is still relevant for the Bears? Because everyone's already kind of saying, let's just write 2022 off. But it's a critical year, I think, because you're going to see a foundation that's going to set the tone for years to come. Yeah, it is relevant because, and I, and I know the win totals just came out the other day, and I saw Chicago at six and a half. And it's hard not to want to take the under on that when you look at this team and just realize, okay, they have 57 players currently on under contract on the roster. They have a long way to go to get to 90 before we're like, even in like, you know, thinking about like, okay, what does the depth chart look like for training camp? Um, I, this year is going to be critical because yes, this team is in a rebuild. Yes. This could take a while, but smart teams, don't waste time at the quarterback position. And I know that these are like different scenarios, but you got to look at what happened with Dwayne Haskins in Washington and be like, all right, if this year's bad for Justin Fields, does the Haskins situation become potentially what you see in Chicago? I mean, both Ohio state quarterbacks who, you know, there's been a lot left to desire in the NFL with Ohio state quarterbacks and Alabama quarterbacks. That's no secret. Um, But Haskins walked into a situation in Washington where he was drafted by one staff year two new staff comes in then he's out of a job very quickly after that because there was some off-field stuff they didn't like about you know like his personality and just kind of the way he went about things also on the field he wasn't winning games so if that's why I just I think that I know they're you're prefacing it with like to like what to expect in 2022 don't expect this team to win a lot of games like I think that Fielding a competitive roster is a challenge and being realistic about it. If, if that's the, the, you know, the, 
where Bears fans want to go with this. It makes sense. Like, realize that you're not competing for this year. You're trying to build. And But with that comes, okay, this team has to come away with an answer on whether Justin Fields could be a franchise quarterback. And if, if they know that he's not, then they should do the smart thing and, you know, draft somebody again next year. And I know that that's really early to give up on a quarterback, but you have to have a succession plan in place and be aggressive in trying to, to build that out. Um, so I think it's, you know, everything's going to come up fields this year for the Chicago bears. And, and those are going to be the stories that you read. Like how is Justin Fields progressing amidst everything else around him, which at this point is not a lot. And I think that that's probably a scary place for the bears to be in knowing you have to support the quarterback. That's the priority this offseason, yet they haven't done enough to help him. So, like, how do they get there? And then when, at the end of the season, do they have enough information to be like, all right, he's a guy or no, he's not? Yeah, it's, it's going to be a lot. But, you know, you were at the owners' meetings last week, but what do you think the general perception around the league is regarding the Bears' offseason? From people I've spoken with around the league, um, especially the people in front offices and the scouting side of things. I think that there's just this giant question mark on like, okay, they don't, it doesn't appear that they have like this cohesive plan or direction. Like you can't tell exactly what the plan is to build out this roster just yet because they've missed out on free agents and they haven't really been very active. So I think just around the league, everyone else, like 31 other teams see, okay, they're in this for the long haul. Like they're really doing it this time as far as like the rebuild and whether that works or not, I think is moot at this point, but at least as far as a direction, you know, nobody can really tell you, okay, here's how they get from point A to point F. They, all they can see right now is, okay, they're ripping this thing down to the, sh- to the studs and, and they're hoping that like this patience and this belief system that they have in Ryan Poles and, and Matt Eberflus pays off. All right, last one for you here, and it's not necessarily related to football, but it is related to journalism. I recently had the opportunity to speak to, I want to say, a group of like 30 high school seniors about my own experiences in journalism. And I always love to ask this question, but what advice do you have for a young person who's looking to grow in media and journalism and possibly make it a career someday? Sure. I think when you're young, especially when you're in like college, like the early years of college, try everything. Um, don't necessarily pigeonhole yourself into I'm going to be a TV sports anchor. All I'm going to do is, is you know, work that'll get me there. Like try writing, try podcasting, try TV, try behind the camera and be in a production side of things. Like the best thing you can do in this industry is be versatile because so many jobs will ask more of you than just go ahead and write three stories a week and write something on Sunday from the game. Like you're going to be asked to podcast. You're going to be asked to, you know, do video. You're going to be asked to be, be asked on camera. Like there's a lot that goes into this industry that doesn't just like meet the eye of like traditional journalists. So be well-versed in a lot of different areas and, you know, you'll be ready to specialize probably once you like, you know, once you get out of college, you can figure out like what you're really good at. Like don't don't limit yourself early on. Like keep it pretty pretty um, pretty vast. That's what I'd say. Yeah, that's some really good advice. Well, that's all I have, Courtney. Um, where can people follow you on Twitter and just keep up with your work? Yeah, my if you go to the ESP, ESPN.com and you click on the Bears tab, that's where you'll find all of my articles. And my Twitter handle is at Courtney R. Cronin. 
Awesome. Well, thanks so much for being on the show. Um, good luck with radio tonight. I will try to tune in as much as I can. And yeah, you're welcome on here anytime. You're now a friend of the show. So thank you again. Thanks. All right, Bears fans. So that was Courtney Cronin. Go check her out on Twitter. Check out her work on ESPN.com. Some really good stuff there. But now, guys, we have to get into it because the Bears were back at Hallis Hall on Monday, April 4th, being a team that's hired a new head coach they were allowed to start kind of some light offseason team activities I know the Bears went ahead and released a video we saw a number of players show up Roquan Smith David Montgomery I think even Jalen Johnson was featured in that video but now guys I think comes a really intriguing question is they Ryan Poles and Matt Eberflus are going to be stuck with Ryan Pace and Matt Nagy's roster in 2022, all right, or most of 2022. Most of the roster is going to look like it was assembled by Pace and Nagy because it was, which I think leads to a great question, Joe. Give me some fringe guys who are going to have to work extra throughout the offseason, be it OTAs, voluntary minicamp, mandatory minicamp, and then certainly training camp at a sh- to have a shot at making the roster. Yeah, so my favorite option for this is someone who actually was just brought in this offseason. I think he was one of Pulse's first signings. I don't know if he was his first one, maybe his second one, but Darrington Evans. Um, he was actually one of my guys that I loved coming out of uh, coming out of Appalachian State. He uh, had some really impressive numbers in the combine, but again, playing that kind of talent, you never know. Um, he didn't really translate to the NFL exactly yet and he had a ton of different injuries in Tennessee that kind of led to him falling off plus you're trying to split carries with Derrick Henry it's just not going to happen uh but he's a not a super big guy he's like 5'10 but he runs a 4'4'1 and I could see him kind of filling the role of Damian Williams and seeing him be you know that like okay David Montgomery is a break this guy can be the pass catcher he can he basically could be the David Montgomery light and possibly even again not be like a David Montgomery replacement, but if Montgomery ends up leaving, having a split backfield of Evington's, or sorry, of Tarrington Evans, and um, trying to Blake out his name, uh, Khalil Herbert, that's not a bad duo running back right there for your room. And Evans has the ability, he's producing the college level, he has the physical attributes to be a great running back. His senior year, he finished, or his, sorry, his last season in college, he finished with almost 1,500 rushing yards, 18 touchdowns. He has kickoff return ability. Um, he was a, a major kickoff returner um, having – I think he had a kickoff return for touchdown either each season or had three. I don't remember if it was one each season or three total, but a solid returner. Um, he's good in outside zone as well. I think he'd be a really good fit in this new scheme that Geske is bringing in. So if he works hard, he kind of proves, you know, hey, I'm healthy, I'm here to stay. I'm going to work hard again. His issue was that he just couldn't stay on the field. It was hard to kind of, you know, get some playing time with Derrick Henry. If he can show that he stays healthy, and he's going to keep working hard. I don't see a scenario where we don't keep him. Like, I just think he's a very solid overall running back. and can be a guy you keep long-term to be your second slash third option at the very least. I mean, my biggest thing is you can never have too many solid running backs in a running back room. I mean, how often have we seen big names at running back get hurt and guys have had to step into roles? I mean, look at the Bears last year. They lost Dave Montgomery for four games. Khalil Herbert steps in and is very, very productive. Not saying he's on the same level as David Montgomery right now, but like the running back position is just one of those positions where like 
you can always have a couple of solid running backs. There's plenty of teams that that have showed that this is the case as long as you have a good offensive line and you have a good run team. I always look to the San Francisco 49ers for an example of this, uh, as well as the New England Patriots. So I like that pick, and I think he's a guy who's definitely going to be competing for that third to second running back spot for sure. Um, you guys already know who I'm picking is my guy. Uh, Caleb Johnson, linebacker, first Bears player to follow me on Twitter, so I always am going to have a personal soft spot for him. Um, but I was kind of going through and reading some articles, kind of about some, some stuff about what Matt Eberflus wants from his defense, kind of wants from his players. Um, and, and I think when it comes to Caleb Johnson, I think he fits the M&M principle. I think he's mean, and I think he's got a motor. And I truly think that with the Bears wanting to keep things open in terms of who they want at middle and weak side linebacker and also wanting guys who are versatile, I think there's going to be eyes on players like Caleb Johnson. He's a guy last year who signed with the team as an undrafted free agent, uh, the first from his college to ever do so. And then he ended up making the roster, which I think surprised a lot of people. Uh, I thought he did a really good job in the preseason. Pretty solid special teams contributor. Nothing that looked, you know, if you look at his stats, I think he maybe has like five tackles in total last year. So it's not like this guy is a generational talent at linebacker right now. But if you're talking about fringe players, you're talking about a guy who made the roster probably due to his work ethic, but also because Danny Trevathan had to go to the IR and the Bears needed options at inside linebacker. And Johnson was one of the guys who made it through the entire year. So if Matt Eberflus wants a guy who's mean and has got a motor. If if Caleb Johnson had a good offseason and he comes into these, you know, optional workouts and stuff and and starts to kind of really show like, hey, I'm a guy who can play, he's definitely a guy who I think has a shot to make the roster and be a solid rotational piece, if not a solid special teams contributor. Because ultimately, special teams, they win you football games. Look, I really like Caleb Johnson because I – I need to say this about him is that knowing Eberflus's track record of just developing linebackers, I firmly believe that he's going to have a legitimate shot to go ahead and really make some noise. But I also think there's something else that has to be said for all this, guys. It's just that the linebacker room isn't even entirely set. I mean, I was watching the Nicholas Morrow press conference, and something that kind of was noticeable in there is that Morrow played both, I'm sorry, all three of the all three linebacker positions in a 4-3 defense, which was the uh, Will, the Sam, and the Mike. And, you know, the Bears are not done in terms of adding to this linebacker room. Darrington Evans is another low-risk, high-reward name that you look at and you say, hey, can the Bears legitimately have a three-headed monster? And what sticks out about the Evans signing is that David Montgomery is going into a contract here, and Khalil Herbert's got three years left on his deal. Next year at this time, I will not be surprised if we're sitting here and kind of talking about Evans and Herbert just being that one-two punch with Evans being the number two guy, clearly. But Evans' impact, I think, more so this season. A lot of Bears fans are going to see him being that gunner on special teams. Now, for me, when I look at this entire roster and just what's going on, I mean, there's a lot of really young talent, right? And this young talent needs to be developed but ultimately i think you know for me my fringe guy is going to be charles snowden i say that because you're talking about a player who last year at this time a lot of people had third to fourth round grades on charles snowden and he became an undrafted free agent because of a freak ankle injury as kevin barry quotes my 
tweet regarding Jesper Horstead saying all he does is catch the ball. Um, yeah, pretty sad to see most of this fan base finally buying into Jesper Horstead. Also, Ryan Null is not coming back. But anyway, side note, getting back to Charles Stone here, he was a 3-4 and he was a 3-4 outside linebacker for the Bears last season, but being a 4-3 defensive end for Chicago this year. I mean, let's be honest, guys. Snowden was one of those players that flashed so much potential from day one. And you look at him, he reminds me essentially of Leonard Floyd 2.0. So I think there's definitely a lot to work with there. And if you look at the edge rusher position, everyone's going to be mad. Oh, well, the Bears traded away Khalil Mack. But and I understand Robert Quinn's not the future either. There's still some really intriguing options like a Sam Camara, like a Travis Gibson, like a Charles Snow that could help form the pass rush of the future for Chicago. Yeah, I'm a big fan of Camara, or it's not Camara, Camara too, actually. But um, I'm a huge fan of Snowden. I, I think he needs to put on a lot of size to be able to fit in that 4 3 scheme. Uh, he, he he is taller, he's longer, but if he, like he's built like Leonard Floyd, like you said. Um, he needs to put on more weight though if he wants to fit in that scheme. And I think if he does, I think he'd be an absolute force. I, again, I'm a huge fan of his potential too. Yeah, yeah that's, that's what. Oh, 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 go ahead, oh. go ahead. I just wanted to agree with Joe. He seems like one of those guys, him and Kamara, who are like those guys that you kind of you know work on them for a year. You know, Kamara got a chance to play a little bit last year as well. Who could potentially, if they filled up their frames a little bit, could absolutely be guys who contribute right away. Um, so I, I definitely like that pick. And I think, again, he was one of those guys that I was kind of hoping would make the roster, but I totally understand why he didn't initially last year. So uh, with a positional group that needs depth, I think Snowden's got a real shot if he if he kills it early and often uh, in the offseason. Yeah, look, the Bears had some undrafted free agents that they signed in 2021 with tons of potential. And so Snowden's one of those players you really continue to just want to root for because I ultimately think that when you look at Snowden and Sam Kamara, there is a role for both of them here. Now, Sam Kamara is another interesting case study because he's from a smaller school, Stony Brook University, which is in New Jersey, I believe. But he played as a 4-3 defensive end at Stony Brook. And when he got to Chicago last off season, the bears kind of just spent all this extra time converting him into a three, four outside linebacker. And let's be honest. I mean, he made that transition seamlessly. So there's definitely options for Chicago here, but how about this guys getting away from individual players and Sam, I'll go to you on this one. You look at the roster as a whole. We know it's not going to be completely finalized in terms of what the outlook could look like going into the offseason and training camp until late May, early June. But as of right now, I mean, outside of the quarterback position, guys, what positional group do you think has the most potential? I think this positional group is one maybe solid free agent veteran or maybe late-round draft pick away from being very solid and having a lot of potential, and it's the tight end group. I truly think that Cole Komet improved in 2021. Um, and I know that Cole Komet gets a lot of criticism. I have criticized him in the past. I think the fact that he's able to double both his receiving numbers and his reception numbers was impressive. I think he was the Bears' second leader in, in receiving yards and receptions last year. I, you could, I might be wrong there. Um, but 
I think this is going to be a big year for Cole Komet, and I think he's going to be a guy that this offense is going to be able to utilize really, really nicely. And then we look at Jesper Horstead, who obviously best tight end in the league. Um, but in all seriousness, he's a legitimate receiving threat. I, I, I mean, I'm not saying receiving threat in the sense that he's on the same level as like prime Gronk or Travis Kelsey, but the guy had what one, two touchdown catches last year. He has three touchdown catches, I think, and like 10 career receptions or something crazy like that. I think fans forget Jesper Horstead was a wide receiver in college who got converted to tight end. So if we're talking about players who got brought into a team and basically told, hey, we need you to put some weight on, you're going to be playing something else. Jesper Horstead is a perfect example of that, who a guy who bought into a new positional group and has thrived given the opportunities. That's a solid one-two punch right there. If the Bears can, you know, find that third piece, whether it's bringing a guy back like Jesse James, drafting a guy late in the draft, maybe if they trade back and they get some more picks, you know, a, a guy that, you know, there's a couple of guys that I like, or maybe they bring in one more veteran option who's a guy who's a decent receiving threat. The Bears tight end room could be pretty legit this year. I'm not saying top in the league, best in the league, but <clears throat> when you're talking about building around a rookie quarterback, Having those safety blankets in your tight end room is so important. And considering that I think Jimmy Graham had more veteran rest days last year than receptions in 2021, the sky's the limit for the tight end room, in my opinion. I, I think the tight end room could be solid next year. If you didn't mention it, I was going to make a joke that I was gonna be like, Sam, there's an all-pro tight end we could have right now as a free agent, and his name is Jimmy Graham. I was hoping you wouldn't mention his name, but it's fine. Uh, but I do like your point. Like I Again, you and I both are – Jesper Horst said, "Huge fans, super fans, probably the the presidents, co-presidents of the fan club." Um, but and again, I wasn't high on him early either. I, he was a slower guy when he put on that weight, but he kind of has managed that weight better now and has come back to that speed. And now that he has that speed with that size, he's got a very good balance. And like you said, there there's a few really solid like tight end threes you can get still out there. I know you mentioned bringing Jesse James back. I think that's fine. That's a very solid option. You can bring in James O'Shaughnessy, um, Tyler Croft. Anthony Ferkser was like the starting tight end for the Titans last year, basically. And you can get him as your tight end three slash tight end two. That'd be a great option. There, there's Like you said, they're one piece away from being a very solid overall group. And yes, to your point, Ryan Griffin also got released. I think he's solid too, but he's a little on the older side. But regardless, um, my pick it's kind of twofold. Um, I'm going to say for right now, defensive end, you could say defensive line as a whole, but defensive end, you got two very solid starters. You you already have basically an all pro talent, Robert Quinn, that is coming off best season. You just signed, I don't even want to try and say his name. I might even attempt to say it from the Colts. I'm going to say Col- Colts defensive end number 55. You just signed him. Right behind him, you have Travis Gibson right away, who is coming off a very solid season as well, playing in place of Khalil Mack. And then after that, as we talked about already, you have two guys who are developing right now behind them in Sam Kamara and Charles Snowden. Right there alone, that's a very solid defensive end group, especially when they're just brushing the pass and then out dropping into the coverage. That can be a very deadly group that you can mix things up a lot. You can give guys rests. Robert Quinn should be there every snap of every play, but the other guys should all be rotating in on who's fresh, essentially. And obviously, if Robert Quinn needs a rest, toss someone else in there. But this is a very deep group that is not only built for the short short term, but is also built for the long term. You, again, Quinn's not here for the long term, but you have that depth behind him that's currently developing right now that will that is set for the future already. Yeah, as I look at this roster, and 
again, defensive line was going to be my pick, but you, you know, I career. really. I mean, no, I really like the defensive line group as a whole because when you look at this, what's interesting is there's a couple play- – there's so much crossover I think people don't realize that existed under Pace and Nagy in terms of guys that were traditional 3-4s that are now seamlessly fitting into this 4-3 and vice versa. Like you look at Mario Edwards Jr., Jeremiah Atacho, a couple veteran guys who when they were in the AFC West were basically th- – Four three defensive ends. Now Mario Edwards was a four three DE, and then all of a sudden comes to the Bears, and they just have him seamlessly fit into this three four. You look at a guy like a, you know Robert Quinn too, who I've noted this multiple times. His best games came when he was playing in a four three defense. Just a lot of his really good seasons, all the years that he was in St. Louis, and then the one year that he spent in Dallas. Now for me. The positional group whose potential is off the charts is going to be linebackers. And I'm not saying this solely because of Roquan Smith. Like, Roquan Smith is a proven commodity. But I'm saying it because of guys like Caleb Johnson and Nicholas Morrow. You hear Nicholas Morrow talk and the versatility that he's going to bring. I mentioned this earlier, but just being able to play three different positions, Will, Sam, and Mike, that I think bodes really well for how a creative defensive mind like Matt Eberflus is going to go ahead and just scheme things up. You look at someone such as Caleb Johnson. Well, that's a player whose potential is definitely there. We saw flashes of it early last season. Now it's just a matter of being able to get that opportunity. So linebackers, I think, is the one group where there's definitely a lot to like. Now, I do think there something else has to be said is people are also forgetting when it comes to the linebacker group that the Bears went out this season and they signed Joe Thomas, who you know has been with in the NFL since 2014, kind of spent a couple of years with Green Bay, was in Dallas too from 2018 to 2020. So, you know, you look at that and you realize, okay, Joe Thomas, whatever, not the most productive guy on the planet, but just a good enough depth piece. There's a lot of potential here at this linebacking core. I don't think we're talking about, and I made this note too, but I seriously think the Bears are going to rely so much on coaching for this unit going into 2022, as well as the next couple of years as the resources kind of get shifted here to the offensive side of the ball. Yeah, I would have loved, <clears throat> I would have loved if Anthony Walker Jr. came into this that linebacker core. If you would have had Nicholas Morrow and Roquan as the, as the weak and the strong, and then... Anthony Walker as the middle linebacker that that would have been an amazing room and I think you could still do very like you were saying it's kind of like the tight end room they're a piece away unfortunately this piece is a little bigger than that tight end room they probably need to either spend a mid-round pick on it, like a third or a fourth Leo Chanel uh, been a pile on the table for him non-stop get him in there or just get in a veteran who can play the middle linebacker spot for you know one to two downs when you're hardly in your base ever anyway because regardless, Roquan and Morrow are likely going to be the nickel linebackers when they're lining up in a 4-2. So if you get a guy who can just be in there and just be like a a beefy run stuffer, basically, for a middle linebacker, they're set. Like that, That's a pretty solid room. Like you said, you have development behind it. You, you didn't mention Ladarius Mack either, who is transitioning to that 4-3 linebacker. He is currently – We I saw a video of him practicing, practicing on his drops and stuff, so obviously he's moving – that outside linebacker position. So having him and Caleb Johnson developing behind it with, like you said, Joe Thomas, that isn't bad at all. No complaints. 
Yeah, the only thing I'll add is I think Matt Eberflus ultimately gets the most out of guys who may not necessarily be high draft picks or top free agency names. And I think ultimately if his scheme works to how it worked in Indianapolis, you know, the Bears linebacker room could be really, really productive regardless of kind of who all is in there. And the fact of the matter is, is he's coming in and, and he talked about the importance of having like Rokon Smith. And that's like you know, keys to the castle there. I mean, he is getting an absolutely outstanding player in Roquan Smith. The guys he builds around them, as long as they're productive, the 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 Bears linebacker room could absolutely be one of the best kind of rooms or, or sorry, rooms, positional groups on the Bears in 2022 for sure. I think it's absolutely a fair case to make. It certainly is, and we're going to keep it locked in right here, guys, on the Fireside Bears podcast throughout the month of April going into the summer, too. The work never stops for us, trust me, because we're going to be covering the Bears from all angles. We'll have a lot of different great guests on, too. Keep an eye out for an episode dropping early next week on the YouTube channel. It's going to be Joe, Sam, and one other person just talking about sleepers over hype prospects for the NFL draft. Make sure that you are following Fireside Bears on Twitter, YouTube, Facebook, TikTok, and Instagram at Fireside side bears follow myself as well as sam and joe on twitter at usaid coach at joseph Herf nfl and at shy sports sam make sure you have great review and give the podcast a five star rating guys that means the world to us we appreciate all the support that you guys are giving us because we certainly see the brand continuing to grow big shout out to courtney cronin for jumping on but until then guys bear down we will catch you guys next week where we will have more nfl draft storylines to talk about but until then guys bear down <laughs>